Jesus' name, amen. So 1 John opens this way. 1 John verses 1 to 10. His letter begins, and he's writing for express purpose of making joy known to the recipients. He had the privilege of walking with Christ. And I'm sure a lot of us would like that, and we will. But the people he's writing to haven't, and so he wants them to know something so that they can have joy in walking with him. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And what is it that He writes? This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you. Three words. God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The famous verse there that you might have heard, if you've ever read this once before, is that verse that if we confess the Lord Jesus Christ, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. This is the cleansing of confession. If we confess, we are clean. By implication then, if we do not confess, there is some level of defilement, some level of dirt upon us. The whole point of a sermon series, spring cleaning, the cleansing of confession, confession as saying the same thing God says after him. God says that you are a sinner. God says that what you thought is wrong. God says that what you said was wrong. God says that what you did was wrong. And then you say, Lord, I am a sinner. What I said was wrong. It's not because I didn't get enough sleep last night. It's because I was wrong. What I did, Lord, that was wrong. It's not because that person instigated me. It's because I'm a sinner and that was wrong. That is confession. It's liberating. It's freeing. It's cleansing. And to start off a letter like this, 
John goes right to it to say, if you wish to have fellowship with me, a man who has walked with Christ, then you will have to have fellowship with Christ himself. But you will not have fellowship with Christ himself if you do not walk in that light. And you cannot walk in that light if you do not bring out everything into the light. For what's not left in the light, for God to see, critique, and be exposed, is therefore in the darkness. And to walk in that darkness, well, you can't be walking with the Lord. Because God is light. Spring cleaning like yesterday here at the church, this property we have, a lot of people were here yesterday being able to do a lot of things in a relatively short period of time. And a lot of things were cleaned up. So you might every Sunday come here driving by, passing the building, and not notice much. But now you notice there's a lot less dirt on the walls. They were all pressure washed. And on the sidewalk. See, and that's an image of our soul. You can go day to day thinking, I'm pretty clean. You can walk in and out of this church as you would the whole past year and say, this church is pretty clean. It's not that bad. But then when you set aside a time like yesterday to actually do nothing else, not walking, talking, meeting with people, you're here to look at the building. And then you say, hmm, well that could definitely get fixed. Or that's a little dirty there. And this is the beauty of confession. Conscience is like a kitchen. You walk in that back kitchen, which I would do regularly, and I would think, hey, this is a good kitchen. It's pretty functional. Everything seems, the bowls are in that wooden thing up on the wall, and uh, the, the countertops aren't super cluttered. This is good. And now if you look at that kitchen, I invite you to go look at that kitchen. That's an amazing kitchen. I mean, there's nothing. It is immaculate, right? But that's our souls. You say, I'm pretty clean. I've been doing my routine. I've been going through the motions. I feel pretty good. But then you pause. And you confess your sin to the Lord. And all of a sudden, well, maybe this kitchen could get tidied up a little bit. That's the beauty of it. You look past the first layer to the second layer. And then after letting the Holy Spirit do this among you, pretty soon you're in the back nook and cranny and corner of that, that lazy Susan corner in the kitchen that no one likes to get into, you go there and you find all sorts of nasty old Tupperware you never used before with cobwebs and dirt and you get it out. This is how we keep our souls in the light. The difficulty of removing these kind of things, one would be like this, this bush that was here on the side of the building. Old, deep roots, very hard. Saw John Curry there back and forth, back and forth with the tractor trying to pull that thing out. It looked kind of like fun. Uh, I talked to him later. He said it wasn't fun at all. Um, I said, all right, well, it looked fun. At least it looked like someone was having fun. Uh, it was nice when it was over, he said. Well, that's good then. Um, but it's hard. Pulling that out is very hard. It's hard work. But here's confession. It's the difference between work and a word. It would be so nice to walk up to that old stubborn bush and just say, well, get out of here. Do you remember Jesus talking about anything like this? You move mountains. Remember him talking about that? 
If you have faith, the mustard seed, you could say to this bush, remember him saying stuff like that? Wouldn't it be nice if all you had to do was just say a word to get all the work done? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could just clean the whole church building up yesterday just by a word? Be gone, bush. Be gone, clutter. How marvelous is confession. It's just a word. An honest word. A sincere word. A well-meant word to the Lord in prayer. If you confess your sins, they are gone. If you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain in your life, which of course is not your problem all the time, be gone, and it is gone. You can remove these sins immediately. Just by a word, the cleansing of confession. And now here is our question this morning. Which is easier? Which is easier for us to evaluate ourselves? To pull out those old shrubs and bushes and do real manual physical labor? Or humble ourselves before the Lord? And here's the hard part. The really hard part is before one another. It's always easy to speak to the Lord. But if we have to humble ourselves before one another and confess our sins to one another... Man, I'd rather pull out a bush, right? Then you say, I don't want to do that. Like, no, I really think I was in the right. There couldn't even be a 2% chance that maybe part of that was my fault. Get me on that tractor. I'll, I'll take John's job. It can't be that hard. Now, see, that's where the beauty of the gospel comes. That if we can speak this word of confession, which is harder? To speak the words of confession, which starts with the words of life. This is what John says. He says... That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, he says, is the word of life. So, with my oldest daughter, Lily, we have many books, which you could call them books of life. And it's actually not little kid Bibles. They're actually zoo books. So, the word life, zoe, means the same word as zoo. That's why we call it a zoo. All these lives are in there. All these animals, these living beings. The words of life. Tu lugu teis zoes is what it says. Zoes. The words of life. So with, I'm with Lily, we open these books. And she sees all these words. All these pictures. Of animals and zebras and giraffes. And for her, as a small child, everything is a new encounter to a new word. And the excitement she gets when she realizes what this word means. She can first say it, and then the, the amazing part is articulating it, then having it in her brain, this concept of giraffe. And then what really produces amazing experiences fellowship joy is then you go to the zoo you go to the zoo and we walk through and that word giraffe and that picture of that thing with a long neck it's there multiple feet taller than her and she looks up and sees it and realizes this was not just a book this is a thing 
This is a real thing. It's exciting to live life like that. Wish life was not so mundane when you get older. But everything's new. Everything's amazing. There's a word and the experience of the word. And encountering, encountering the word you learned. And here's John. He's encountered a new word. He, throughout his letter, refers to these people he is writing to as little children. Little children. Here is a giraffe. Here is a zebra. No. Little children. John has encountered this thing called the word of life. It says, having heard the word, we have seen it with our own eyes. And you think, well, you could be looking at a word on a page. You can hear a word audibly through sound waves. And he says, we have looked upon it. And then he says, we have touched this word with our own hands. And then you realize, he's talking about the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. He didn't just read the book. He held him. He went and saw him. And he's saying, this man is the word of life. This word of life was made manifest, not through sound waves to hear or ink that could be read and seen, but the word of God which was flesh and blood and lungs and hair. This word of life which was from the beginning. The first word of God. The eternal word of God that produces eternal life. This word of life, the eternal life, was with the Father. This word of eternal life was made manifest to John. And because of having life in him, he writes this whole thing, this whole letter, goes into descriptions of how important confession is, so that they could have that same fellowship. For these people receiving the letter are no different than you and I. They never held the word with their hand. They never saw the word with their eyes. They never encountered this new word Christ as John did. But in the same breath he says, Now you must have the same experience as me. You must have the same fellowship as I. That that bridge is not in any way too long for you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, that same fellowship that John had is our fellowship. Do you have fellowship with God this way? Could you say that I have fellowship with the word of life? This one great Jesus whom I will see very shortly, but yet not now. I know him. I have fellowship with him. If you can answer that question wonderfully then you have to answer the question, do you confess your sins? And in any point you feel as though your fellowship with the word of life, fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ has been altered or compromised, it goes nothing more back than verse 9. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Walk in the light. Get it open in the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light and you will have fellowship with the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. This is his word. This is what John has to say. You have not walked with him and I, but the pathway, the bridge there immediately is before you. And it is a great joy. He says, I write this so that our joy may be complete. Do you have joy in God? 
Do you have joy in Jesus Christ himself? If not, go back between the corners of your soul and look and see what must be confessed. What is it that is not of the light? Confess our sins. This message, he says, we have heard and proclaim to you that God is light. So he explains that this light is necessary to understand if you would ever truly confess our sins. What does it mean that God is light? We say later in 1 John, we say that God is love. And uh, Hebrews 12 says that God is a consuming fire. But here he's saying God is light. God is light. The very first. As he opens the letter all the time, as he opens his gospel all the time, he goes right back to Genesis and he says the very thing about God that we know. That God created the heavens and the earth and it was formless and void and darkness was over everything. And then God said, let there be light. Of course he would start his letter this way. Let there be light is God's power to create. God is light. And not only his power is goodness and his light. For right after that he makes the light and then he says, it is good. This light is coming directly from God. The sun is not created. Let there be light and this light is good. God is light. That is, he has all power to create. Let it be. And God is not only all-powerful, but he is good. Let it be, and it is good. This light that is mine, deliberately the order of creation, would have to be light before the sun. So there would be no way of confusing that this light has origins outside of some natural causation. That God is light. And he says all this to point down to the truth of it. Now what is light? God is light in his power, his goodness, but also in his truth. James 1 says... That the father of lights, there is no variation or shifting shadow due to change. That is, God is true. God is honest. God is transparent within himself. He is perfectly perspicuous. He knows himself through and through. 1 Corinthians 2, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God. That is, except the spirit of God. That God is light unto himself. He knows himself fully. And he knows us completely. Psalm 147 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limitation. And therefore, we have to confess our sins. Where else could we hide? What kitchen cabinet is there no light? To us, it seems like a dark little cabinet. A little junk drawer we keep somewhere in our lives. To God it is light. There is no darkness there. If we say we have fellowship, he says, and we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The beauty of this spring cleaning for a church is that if we ever would fall out of disfellowship, outside of circumstantial differences and things that just have to happen, if we would ever fall out of fellowship, it cannot be for this reason. Because the fellowship we claim to have, Christians actually being Christians, actually confessing our sins to one another, the fellowship we claim to have is coming 
from the word of life, which was from the beginning. Where else are we going to have fellowship? If not here, is it, are we not going to be in heaven? Are we not going to be before the glory of Jesus Christ for all of eons of eternity? The lesson now, us little children on purpose, he keeps saying, learn the lesson now to confess, to have no broken fellowship. We have fellowship with one another because the blood of Jesus, he says, cleanses us from all our sins. And so here is the sidebar of how, at least I can say personally in my life, and you have to fill in the blanks personally for your life. When is it hard for you to confess your own sins? There's two aspects, of course. There's one in which Peter says, love covers a multitude of transgressions. So therefore, if someone offends you, or if you offend someone else, they have no need to bring anything to you. Because whatever it was, it was annoying and an offense, but it wasn't enough for them to really care. And that first Peter passage just makes sense. And you just cover it over in love and you ignore it and put it aside. But if you cannot put it aside, if you wake up the next day thinking about it, and you wake up the next day thinking about it again, I'm sorry, that verse isn't for you anymore. You can't cover it with love. It's bothering you. It's eating at you. Now, now we have to think about something different. Is it possible to confess these sins? The thing that holds us back, particularly before God, is to say, if I confess my sins to the Lord, yes, I shouldn't have done fill in the blank. But really there's this excuse and we cut off the sharp edges of our confession. And there we lose the real power of it. There we lose the significance of what John is saying. Do you not realize that you could be having greater fellowship with God? You don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I did not walk with the Lord Jesus. John did. And he's saying, listen. You don't have to worry about my three years with Jesus. What you need to do is confess your sin. You'll know him. You'll know him better than Judas. This is his wisdom to us. Us little children. So before we confess any of our sins, there is a word we have to learn. And the name of that word is Jesus. This is how John explains it. It's the word of life. The message of Jesus Christ, that God is light, that is in his power and goodness and truth and everything that's beautiful and wonderful about God is expressly comes to the point, the nail point of all that God is in the face of Jesus Christ, that the light of God is found in the light of the face of Jesus Christ in all of his obedience. That if we can confess Christ, then we can confess our sin. If we can see that Jesus is perfect obedience in every area of his life, all the commandments that God has ever put upon him, even submitting himself to the passions of his own suffering, it was for you that it is the light of God in the face of Jesus Christ is through substitution. That is, his obedience was for substitution. His passion, his suffering was for substitution. It was all for you, for you, for me. It was all for us. See that light. It is bright. Realizing that. 
that Jesus, the light of God in the face of Jesus Christ, was for reconciliation. For God, it says in Colossians 1, was pleased through him, through Jesus Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, all things, through the peace that is brought by his blood on that cross. To reconcile us all to God. And not us, but all things, all of creation, going to this cross, will be reconciled. If we see Christ that way, there is no way not to confess sins. There's no way we could avoid actually having joy in doing such a thing. So the good question, and this is how we close, where John asks the question in a roundabout way, how is your walk with the Lord? Now, sometimes people get frustrated by Christian cliches. I, as a pastor, am exposed to a lot of them. And um, sometimes after you hear something so many times, you think, ah, that's an annoying question. Why'd you ask me that? How's your walk with the Lord? Right? Unfortunately, cliche or not, it's biblical. It's a very great way to think. If you walk in the light, is he in the light? You have fellowship with God. So the question is, how is your walk with the Lord? It is a walk. John says that we have fellowship with the Father and the Son. Do you walk in the light as he is in the light? The way we see this is that your talk determines your walk. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, therefore no light, therefore no walk. The what you say determines how you walk. Your talk determines your walk with the Lord. If you, and not in the sense that we would all say in a pious way, that yes, I am a sinner and saved by Jesus Christ. Yes, platitudes and generalities always work. When we say it here among ourselves as Christians. But when we get down to a particular incident. And we are not particularly provoked to say that it is our sin. This verse comes to us loudly. Even in that moment. Particularly incident. Where you say you have no sin. The truth is not in you. At that moment. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. But if the reverse is the mouth, if we confess our sins with our mouth, he's faithful and just to forgive us all sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Therefore, your talk informs your walk. You say there's no sin, you walk in darkness. You confess your sins, you walk in light. And the only way we would ever confess any of our sins is by first learning the word of our confession. And we'll do this now as we take communion. We confess the Lord Jesus Christ first, and we confess our sins second. We confess the Lord Jesus Christ first, and then we confess our sins. Do you actually believe that this verse could be true? That God would actually be faithful and just to forgive you? There is no way that would make sense. There is no way we should ever have that hope apart from confessing Christ. It is all just a big platitude to say, yes, I just will confess my sins and be forgiven. No, 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 no. We're confessing Christ. Christ in his obedience. Then we can confess our sins. And he's faithful and just. Christ in his substitution. By his substitution for us. We can confess our sins. And we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. Because all the wrath is poured out on him. He actually is just to do so. We can confess Jesus first for any of all of his reconciliation for us. 
and then our sins. So that we know that because of Jesus bringing that bridge to us, our sins are actually dealt with on the cross. There is no reason to confess without confessing Christ. So let us confess Christ now that we know we have not seen him. But we know that he has given us something to see today. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we ask for your grace this morning. Lord, we come to your table. And Lord, we come to see your son. And Lord, we pray for you to make these truths resound in our hearts. We do not desire anything but Jesus. And Lord, we understand the reality of walking in darkness and light. And that it translates very quickly from time to time throughout our days. Lord, we pray that we would have our souls open before you in the light. That we would be quick to confess with joy, knowing all of it is on your Son. That we would have fellowship with you and one another. Because of your great price that you paid.